This is the Yob ConvoCast. One-on-one conversations with your other brother's authors, community members, supporters, and friends. What's up, friends? Welcome back to the Yob ConvoCast. The guest for today's episode is someone who is dear to all of us. While it's not a popularity contest, I think he wins. He is an author, a blogger, fellow Enneagram 4, and co-founder of Your Other Brothers, Tom. Hey, Tom. Aaron. What's up, Aaron? That was so professional. I feel so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so excited. Welcome. Welcome to the pod. What's it like? on the on the other side of the mic for once (laughs) it's so funny because i'm sitting in the exact same room in the exact (laughs) same chair and this exact same camera and webcam and microphone that i'm always in front of but um but it feels so cool to like not have to worry about the structure of this episode like i normally do like you've got a you've got a notebook literal notebook full of notes ready to to get this show going so i'm so excited to see where you take this episode aaron I know. I'm excited to see where we take this episode, you know? Yeah. But I, I would say it feels nice for the first time. Actually, that's not, that's a lie. Uh, loyal listeners will may recall there is one other convo cast in our history where someone else Ooh. introduced me. And it was so fun because it was me. I recorded that episode with my little brother and we yeah. flipped roles where he just, he, he announced himself as Tom and I announced myself as Andy. And we had this whole episode pretending to be the other person. And we never broke character. Wow. It was just like, let's just do it. <laughs> I think Andy suggested that. And, and so he started the episode introducing me as him. And it was great. It was, it was a very meta, you know, some people were very confused, but some people loved it. So, you know, one of those polarizing episodes in our history. But this one feels a lot more natural, I will say. <laughs> That would be a little disorienting. Just a bit. It's great. Shout out to Andy, though. <laughs> so Tom and I wanted to have this episode where we talk a little bit and recap the summer series. And I was kind of thinking to myself, if you listen to the last like five seconds of my episode last week, I was thinking, oh, I'm we really like to do that. I really like to do this kind of episode with Tom just to be able to recap together um, of all the people um, that Tom interviewed, including himself, um, their different stories, how we are similar and how we're different and how we can just glorify God and just be supportive of other people in the community um, after hearing their stories. Um, also, Tom wanted to share a little bit of his story to add on to the spectrum. Isn't that right, Tom? Yeah, because <laughs> I, yeah, you know, it was an interesting series because there were so many times I mentioned it, I think it was somewhere around the third or the fourth episode that someone said something and it triggered a thought in me or a story or a resonant feeling. And I, and I said, so I like took five seconds, 10 seconds to say so. But then I didn't want to like take the spotlight away from the person that I'm talking to and getting to learn more about them. And so so there were times where I just like and sometimes I I shared a little bit more than five or 10 seconds. But in general, I tried to like hold back, knowing that that as it as the series kept unfolding, I didn't know this at the start as the series kept unfolding. I was like, you know what? Honestly, I don't have an episode 
of the podcast where I just get to share my story. Like, obviously I've been on every single podcast that we've done, the, the Yobcast and the Convocast, but there's not a single episode where it's just Tom's story. And I'm, you know, by design, this is your other brothers. This isn't Tom's wonderland. Like this is, this is a, a collective community. Um, but I feel like, you know, it was just, like, I was a series one. I was like, you know what, that would be cool at the end, not just to have a, an episode all about me, but like you said, to be able to look back. And I, when I was thinking about who would be the best person to look back on this series with, um, you know, I thought just, you were just such a natural logical choice as far as someone leading the sisters community and, um, someone with that vantage point as far as, as leading another community all, all on yourself. So it's cool to now be able to join forces today and look back on just what has been a truly magical summer. Don't you think? I think so. Welcome to the Yob Cinematic Universe. The Yob Yob Cinematic <laughs> Universe. Oh yeah. We're just getting started. This is like, since we're just starting to Avengers. open that up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and I'm sure, especially for those loyal listeners out there and the YouTube sus- subscribers and people who have read your book, I'm sure that the way you tell your story and the way you relate to your sexuality now is so much different, you know, than you did when you first came out at 19 mm-hmm. until now at 36. Absolutely, yeah. And I just put out a 10-year anniversary edition of my book, a few months ago and and I talk a little bit about identity in there. And so it was, it was a trip to look back on 10 years of my life and recognize that my language has totally changed. Um, it's not in, in better ways or worse ways. It's just different ways. A lot changes in the culture and language in 10 years. And so, so yeah, it was, it was awesome to put that in writing and now it's cool to be able to do it verbally in this episode. I'm excited to, excited to share more. Yeah. I'm excited too. So with that being said, Tom, how do you identify with your sexuality today? Would it be, would this be like the biggest like mouth open moment if I announced that I was straight this whole time? Would that just be totally shocking? That'd be like, <laughs> be like the Truman Show or something. <laughs> Breaking the portal. Would that be deceptive, y'all? Would you feel betrayed? <laughs> now you have me curious. What? What's happening? No, no. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. I'm not straight. I'm not straight. Okay. So I was thinking about this question because I am an Enneagram four as you, as you put out there, as you are as well. There is this need in me to provide a different answer. Like I can't just say Mm. that I'm gay. I can't just say that I'm queer. I can't just say that I'm asexual. I can't say those are all, this has all been done before. I can't just repeat what's already been done. Um, So the truth is though, like I see myself in so many different labels Um, All those ones I just rattled off. I see myself as gay. I see myself as queer. I see myself as asexual. Um, I see myself as SSA or same-sex attracted. And it took a while for me to even recognize that that word or that acronym has so much baggage for a lot of people, but I never had that baggage. So for me, SSA, like it's like slipping into a cozy pair of slippers because that's how that was my first first, uh, foray into identifying in any sort of way or putting language in any sort of way to my sexuality was same sex attracted or same SSA. So for me, it doesn't really trip me up. I, I don't mind using it. I try to stay with the culture and I try to, you know, if most people are, are shifting and using language that are more, that's more LGBT plus centered, then that's kind of where I want to generally be moving toward. I don't want to like stay in the nineties or in the early two thousands per se. Um, but I don't mind it. I don't mind that label. Um, but I'm going to throw a new label out there that I don't think, honestly, you heard it here. I, I don't know. 
<laughs> new label alert. Um, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. You know, I've, I've heard, of, I've been aware of this label for a while. It it's, it's imperfect. Like a lot of the labels are like, there's not a word that completely encapsulates who I believe I am or sexually the way that I'm wired. Um, but I'm going to throw it out there just for the sake of, again, being different and just adding it to the mix because it, it, there is something in it that fits. And it is the word androsexual. Have you heard that word, Aaron? Androsexual? Um, I haven't heard those two things put together. Yeah. So androsexual, it's a, regardless of whatever your gender is, it's an attraction to masculinity. It's an attraction to masculine uh. people. And so like anything... Like any, like that's what's been so cool about this series. There is a bi spectrum, there's an ace spectrum, there's a gay spectrum, there's all the Kinsey scale, there's all these like one end of it and the other end of it, and then everything in the middle. Um, and so, from what I've been gathering and learning about androsexuality, is that you have some people who would identify as androsexual, that they're attracted to any human that is displaying like masculine traits or tendencies physically, hobbies, professions. Um, that can be men or women. So it could be a woman who just loves to dress or look or act or speak in a masculine way and there might be an attraction toward that. Um, so that is not my case. I am not attracted to masculine women or masculine acting women or masculine looking women. Um, but within like men, that when with but within the circle of biological men, like, this is something that I've really struggled with over the years because I was like, and we'll talk about my asexuality when I have a lot to say. I have a lot to say about Jesse's episode because that was the one that spoke the most to me throughout the series. Shout out to Jesse. Um, we heart Jesse. So I'll talk <laughs> So I'll talk about asexuality later. But for focusing on, um, on this androsexuality thing for right now, um, growing up, it's like I never had a significant attraction to gay men and i was like what why like like if i'm gay if i'm gay why am i not attracted to gay men and want to date them and want to have sex with them and want to have want to get married to them and have kids with them and live a life with them like why is that just not ingrained in me at all and yet i am attracted to men and more often than not i'm attracted to straight men who who stereotypically will have more masculine features compared to a gay subset of humanity. And so so it's taken years and years and years and years to like piece this together and figure this out because I have come to realize in recent years that there are plenty of gay men that I have found attractive and have found a sense of sexual or physical at least if not emotional attraction to them. Um and yet what's inevitably true of those people is that they portray themselves on a more stereotypically masculine level by the way they dress or if they have big muscles or, you know, you, you all can use your imagination as far as what quote unquote masculine looks like or feels like or, or embodies. But, um, but there's something to that word and something to that phrase that definitely resonates. Cause I find myself, um, just attracted to masculinity and it goes back to like co-founding this community. Cause like, it's not all sexual and it's not all deviant and nefarious. Like there is something in me that wants to connect with men and there's something about just getting men together and being with men that is so attractive to me. And so whether it's in a in a pseudo sexual sense, you know, we'll explore asexuality later, but like um, or if it's just in a collective sense, like just forming brotherhood and forming intimacy within um, platonic circles like that's that's been such a bedrock and such a motivating factor for for starting this community and what drew me to um, the Zanga community of yesteryear yeah. back in the day. So. So how's that for a different little sort of answer? 
How's that for a different answer? I would say that is indicative of a lot of introspection, a lot of reflecting on decades of time. And I don't know, maybe maybe some people out there are kind of contemplating for themselves, maybe for the first time after hearing that term. Something else I wanted to mention, though, is that because I thought I thought about this too, like I, I and I, part of me doesn't want to mention this because I just want to say like my motives are completely pure and I'm just attracted. I'm just, it's just my preference. I'm just attracted to masculine looking men, but I'll be honest. Like, I think there is a sense of internalized homophobia there. Like, why am I not attracted to a more feminine acting gay man? Like, why, why is that not attractive to me? Why does that, why has that like, just to be completely honest, like why has that been, almost repulsive to me at times growing up in in mm. the church and growing up in the South and growing up um, where that was scary. Like the only thing I saw on TV, if I saw a gay person on TV is like, it was, if it was a gay man, he was very, very effeminate on yeah. TV. And and that was not attractive to me. I didn't. Um, so I will admit that that's probably a, that's, that's some portion of the sexuality pieces is, is a, is that internalized homophobia. But, but you know, that aside, I think there is just part of me also that, that finds, for the most part, straight men and, and a sliver of gay men attractive. And so uh, that's that has been a journey of, of learning that and piecing that together and realizing that most gay people, I, I don't think, are, are like that. And throwing the asexuality piece, that adds another level of, of complication of piecing this together. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. How did you get to that place? What What is your journey from before this realization? Um, and no, this is not a cop out to not get Tom's book. You should still read Tom's book. So <laughs> I should just say, y'all read my book. I will end the conversation. Read the here. book. <laughs> also, while I'm here, I'm going to be flipping the hourglass. I told Aaron before we started, this is a supersized combo cast, everybody. We're going to share my story, but we're reflecting on everyone else's stories too. So get bonus. That was all bonus sand up until <laughs> this point. Extra sand. So exciting. <laughs> um the journey okay so you know what i thought would be cool to to open up this journey because i my first crush i remember my first crush give it to us first grade precious right so <laughs> precious first grade just like loved this boy he was so cute so cool so funny he was like he was the b student who was like super athletic like decent at school very athletic very charming all the girls loved him. All the boys wanted to hang out with him, mm-hmm. including including me. So I'm sure everyone listening, you know who that person was. You know that B B minus student who just was good at everything and 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 was the the popular kid always. Um, and I know this is first grade, but my I, first grade, I was like keyed in to this guy, this boy, and I wanted to be his friend. Um, and what's really really funny is that because this movie was referenced so much throughout this series, Aaron, I watched Pirates of the Caribbean in preparation <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> and you know what happened that I completely forgot about? Because I hadn't seen this movie. When did it come out? Like 2003 or something? 2003, yeah, I think that's correct. I think it was 2003 from the Disney Plus uh, description mm-hmm. from what I remember. And so that's probably the year I saw it and the only time I've ever seen it, 2003. So 20 years ago, I saw this movie for the first time and the only time. And I completely forgot that good old Orlando Bloom in that movie, his face 
is a carbon copy, near carbon copy face of this boy who grew into a young man, who grew into a man that I had my first crush on. What? I wanted to be this boy's everything. This little Orlando Bloom boy. This movie, I completely forgot that Orlando Bloom even looked like that. I In my head, I was like, oh yeah, he was an attractive pirate in that movie. But I didn't remember like what he looked like. Stunning pirate. So many close-ups of his face in this movie. <laughs> and I was taken back to first grade of when this whole thing started. Anyway, good old pirates. There's there's an awakening moment for all of us with Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. Something awakened in you when you rewatched. Oh man, it was it was quite visceral. <laughs> um anyway. That was my first experience, though, of just like being attracted to a boy. And and I remember growing up at my little Christian school in New Jersey that for gym class, the teacher would dismiss like boys and girls two two to three at a time to go down downstairs to the bathroom to change into their gym clothes. And then they would come back up to the classroom. This is a convoluted system. I don't know who else did this. Um in other schools, but, but yeah, my teacher would dismiss us two or three at a time to go change. And that to me, this was, this would have been in sixth grade when this was happening. So sixth grade, you know, there's puberty is definitely happening. <laughs> puberty is in full swing. Um, and I just remember getting so like feeling so much anticipation that I could get picked with this little Orlando Bloom lookalike. I wanted yeah, I wanted to go with him to the bathroom to change clothes so that I could observe him in all of his glory, which sounds creepy to say as a 36 year old now, but as a sixth grader, 12 year old, 11 year old, it was, I just was like, that was, and I never thought like, why am I so attracted to him in particular? Some of the other boys too, but him by far the most. Um, like, why was that such an exciting time for me to, to go to the gym locker room to change and to have this moment yeah it is it's something that just is such a visceral memory of growing up and like starting to piece together sexuality this this fixation on these one or two boys and and again it was always the the most masculine looking ones the one with the biggest muscles or the one with the most um the most charm you know those types so i just was really drawn into into that and so and like i remember through elementary school middle school high school college like I always had at least one or two women who were my girls, my, my BFFs. And, and there was like, there was some level of emotional attraction, even today. Like, I don't know that I would put myself as a hard six on the Kinsey scale, which is as homosexual as you can get. Um, like I probably put myself on a five if I'm being like more honest, as far as like, there is some level of an emotional attraction for women because I can look back all the way to first grade. I remember there is this girl that, this is so, like, I've talked about this somewhere. At some point, I've shared this story. But this girl and I would share a bus ride together, and we would put our coats over our heads, like, in the seat. So we would create this little, like, jacket fort, you know, like, in the bus seat. Um, and we would talk about the boys in our class. Like, what is that? <laughs> oh, my God. That's so <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> Who does that? I just remember, and I would have dreams. I still dream about Orlando Bloom boy by the way to this day i'll have random dreams wow. about him and i still he, he still is in my subconscious forever um but like sh she and i would talk about him and some of the other boys in the class oh. you know and i didn't have that level of connection with all the other like my college girlfriends like i didn't uh didn't share jacket forts with with them but always i think for but for the most part like growing up then 
from elementary school to high school. I think I always, that was like a reason why I didn't realize my sexuality is because I had these, like, when I wasn't friends with any of the boys, like I wasn't really friends. I was a loner growing up and I had these women, these girls who would, you know, laugh with me. And I, I had this connection with them. We'd make each other laugh and we'd eat together. And, and it's just like, easy to, I guess, miss it. It was easy to miss that. Oh yeah. I'm attracted to men, but I have these women who are that I'm like clicking really well with. And like, um, first shout out Matthew, like Matthew talked about having these crushes. Like he could still remember his crushes from Sunday school and from school. Yeah. Um, and I can too, like I can think of these three, four, five women from high school to college that I had these crushes on. And I think some of that was legitimate. I think there was some emotional attraction you know, no physical attraction, no sexual attraction, but some emotional attraction as far as clicking with them. I think it helped me hide a little bit behind reality because, um, cause yeah, it wasn't until 19 that I had some traumatic things happen in my life. Um, you can read my book all about it, but ultimately what, what came, what came of that was that I came out to myself in a journal entry with tears splattering the pages. I like finally knew to put words to it. And I'd been journaling my whole life and didn't know how to put words to it. But I finally did on this particular night when I was 19. Um, and I didn't use the language of gay. I definitely did not at the time. I would have said something along the lines of struggling with homosexuality. Like that's probably the language I, I would have used at the time, which was accurate at the time. Like I was struggling. I was struggling with lust. I was struggling with secrecy and shame. Like there is a struggle that comes with homo- with homosexuality that I definitely was facing at the time. Um, you know, and so it was... That was a big moment to be able to write it on the page and like to start to actually bring it out of the back of my mind to the front of my mind and to process it. And it was a beautiful thing when I could do that. And when I could tell my parents, because I told my parents and they were incredibly supportive. Um, So I'm grateful for them. But I spent the next two years, 19 to 21, like not really knowing, okay, now what? What do I do? (laughs) What do I do? Like I started to acknowledge my sexuality. I told two people, but I doesn't change anything. I'm not healed. I'm not changing and, and, and don't know what the next steps forward are. And so, so that is when 2008, when I was 21 years old, that is when I found the Zanga boys. And, and it's so funny because I resonated with what Keegan said when he found Yab or when he listened to our podcast and he was like, somebody said, Oh yeah, we're not straight here and blah, 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 blah. And how a light bulb went off. And he was like, what? They're not straight (laughs) and they're Christians. What? Like that was the same exact same sentiment I had when I found these Zanga blogs, like, wait, you're attracted to men and, and you follow Jesus and some of them are married to women. And this was like, what is going on? Like I found my people. It was like bizarre. It was, it was crazy. And that's, that's where, that's where it's just like, it opened up such a world to be able to then, you know, the journey goes from there. Cause like, that's where I learned SSA and and same sex attracted and, and then that through the years led to learning about side B theology and, and nomenclature. And, and then we started Yab in 2015. And so, um, so it's been a journey since then, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit of a nutshell as far as like piecing together, um, piecing together my sexuality from innocent little first grade years all the way up until 2008, which would have been like my junior year of college was when I, when I found the Zanga boys. So that's, that's the gamut there. Thanks. Well, I don't know if you want to talk about this right now, but you mentioned something about kind of your discovery, your journey with asexuality. Yeah. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, that's a good place for it because I think a reason I was really, 
I, it took me a while to land on gay. Like for whatever reason, for years, other people around me were using the label of gay to identify themselves. And, and I was like, I understood what they were saying. Like I knew they were just replacing SSA with gay, a word with maybe less baggage. Um, and they're still meaning the same thing. They're, I'm attracted to only the same sex. And, but I, you know, I still have my same beliefs. I'm still, I still believe God ordained marriage between a man and a woman and sex is only for that union. So like nothing's changed as far as belief. It's just switching out the letters SSA for the letters G-A-Y basically is what happened with a lot of people around me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I was so hesitant to take that on. And, and I think the asexuality piece was a big part of it because I, what I started learning was that other guys, like other guys struggled with hookups and struggled with, um, with other, with like all kinds of other things that I did not struggle with. They would talk about watching porn. Here's a, here's a first shout out to Jesse's episode, mm-hmm. completely identified with Jesse talking about porn usage where it's only that beginning part. It's only the foreplay and like the little fun, creative, as creative as a porn video can be. Like it's those first few moments where the two people are, are, are like meeting each other and there's like this play that's happening. But then once it starts getting sexual, like yeah. I didn't, like I've not watched, I've never watched a complete porn video in my whole life. Like that sounds crazy to say, but I've never watched it. Cause like once it starts getting sexual, I'm out. Like I'm not there anymore. I'm no longer interested. It's, it's all about just the foreplay and the creativity and the first connection. Um, like sex, like I, I am not afraid to use the word that sex is repulsive to me. It's, it's never been something that I've desired. Um, and and that took such a long time to figure out. Like as long as it took me to figure out I was attracted to other men, it took me so long to figure out like, oh, I don't desire sex like at all. I don't desire sex with a woman certainly, but I don't desire sex with a man either. If I'm just being completely honest, they both sound grossly unappetizing to me. And that sounds extreme, but it's it's the truth. And I'm a virgin. I'm a 36-year-old virgin. I'm so excited to to <laughs> to be a 40-year-old virgin soon, getting closer and closer. I'll be your Steve Carell year soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be entering my Steve Carell era. So get ready for that, everybody. <laughs> next four years. Which yeah, it's that brings a certain level of shame like when I compare myself to other people. Cause I remember there was a part of the Jesse episode where I referenced the Jubilee video where where this channel on YouTube, they assembled a bunch of asexual people and they asked them all these questions and do you agree or disagree with it? Um, and there was one point where a woman got emotional and she shared how she doesn't want to, de- she doesn't desire sex. She doesn't want to desire sex. She just desires to be normal or she desires to be like everyone else. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what she said, but the sentiment of that like really resonated with me because because honestly, I don't desire sex. In many ways, I feel like my life is so much easier because I don't desire sex, that I don't struggle with physical hookups and I don't struggle with a lot of things that guys in our community do struggle with. But absolutely though, there's this desire to belong. There's this desire to be like everyone else. There's this desire. It feels like I'm missing out on this like big part of the human condition. Like Mm -hmm. sex is a big thing (laughs) that most people, like most people on this planet between the ages of 16 and 85 have had sex yeah. and I have not. And so what do I do with that? Like, I feel, um, talk about feeling like a minority of a minority. Like I just feel, uh, that can be very lonely and that can, it can feel like shame inducing. If I think, if I'm comparing myself to other people, I'm like, you know, like, like, I just don't know. I don't know what that sensation or experience is like. And, 
and and I don't necessarily want to have it, but it's but there is a desire to just like not miss out and to connect with people. And so um, so it's it's been it's been challenging. The first time I started to use the ACE label, I was on a panel with Posture Shift. Shout out to Posture Shift. Um, and I was in Sacramento, California on a panel with like five other people. Uh, and I was just feeling particularly giddy and bold and daring that day. I was like, you know what? Because one of the things uh, Bill Henson does on those panels, like when he introduces the panel, he asks them to introduce themselves. And how do you identify or what, what language do you use to talk about sexuality? And so I was like, I'm going to just do it for the first time in my life. I'm going to talk. I'm just going to say, I'm not going to like go on a monologue, but yeah. I'm going to say like I'm somewhere on the asexual spectrum and just leave it at that. And so I did. And, and when I did, um, I just remember feeling like, okay, I'm onto something. Like I'm on the right track. That didn't feel like a lie. That felt accurate. And I don't know where exactly on the spectrum I am because because I'll just be completely blunt. Like I don't have the same reaction to masturbation, for instance, as a lot of those people in the video did. Or as Jesse described, as, as it being like a chore or he described it as giving him a headache sometimes. Um upon masturbating. And so that's, that's not part of my story. That's not part of my, my life. And so, um, so there's variation and it's okay. Like I'm not a cookie cutter, asexual person, but, but then yeah. who is, what is, what is a cookie cutter, asexual person, you know? So, so that's a little snapshot of, of asexuality. I know there's, there's a lot I could probably say about that, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's been an interesting realization to be like, okay, that's, that took a while. That took so long to figure out, like that would have been, what, five years ago, six years ago that I said that at, at a posture shift event. So, I mean, this is fairly recent compared to, compared to being 19, you know? So, yeah. Compared to Zanga land. RP Zanga. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, you've already shared a little bit of your struggles and your, I guess, feeling like you're almost on the outside looking in as far as people engaging with sex. Um, but what are some of the other struggles that, um, you felt over the years? Yeah. And I think it goes, this goes with good old fourness being an Enneagram four. I think there's just the sense that I'm so different. Woe is me. No one will ever get me. I can get trapped in that. So, so often of just feeling like nobody's going to understand me or get me ever. So why bother? Why bother connecting? Why bother trying to get friends or trying to be vulnerable only to get shot down or to have these insane expectations that are dashed every single time. Um, and so it's so easy for me and I'm self-aware of this. That's why I'm so grateful for the Enneagram. It kind of gives me this awareness piece that um, I'm grateful for because it's, it's hard to now avoid that. Like when I'm in those spirals of shame and defeat and loneliness and isolation, like, you know, I'm not perfect, but in general I can, I can recognize when I'm like entering that phase or, or, or in the middle of it. Um, and so that's always going to be difficult is feeling like I have this, this great desire to be known and I'm grateful for writing as an outlet. I'm grateful for this podcast, but you know, in many ways, the podcast is like a performance. Like I'd like to think that I'm being as vulnerable as I can be, but it's also a performance. It's also kind of like entertainment. And so, so it's not going to be the same as me sitting across from somebody at a coffee shop or in a living room, you know, or being held by them in their arms and sharing my soul. Like that's a completely different slice or version of Tom compared to what you would hear on a podcast or what you would read in a book or in a blog post. And so, um, so that's the challenge of just like being able to, I'm grateful to be able to have told my story in lots of ways, but the challenge of my like young adult now, like middle-aged adult years, um, 
is figuring out like where does yeah where does performance tom end and where does like the real tom begin and who gets to know the real tom and um and what do i share what do i share publicly what do i not share publicly because as much as i've shared publicly you know there's plenty of held back and and part of me really wrestled with feeling like am i being like duplicitous by not sharing that i'm dealing with this but then but then it's like most people aren't airing their dirty laundry and their struggles for the world to hear and read about. And so, so I've had to really learn the art of like vulnerability in its right form, you know, for a public audience, for a private audience, for myself, for the Lord, for those in my inner circle, you know, I've had to learn that through the years. And so that's, that's probably my biggest struggle with anything related to sexuality. It's just like figuring out how to process it because the processing never ends. Like it keeps going. I keep thinking like, okay, have I figured out everything yet? (laughs) And nope, no, there's still more. Just figured out the asexuality piece like five years ago, and I'm I'm sure there's more revelations to come. Yeah, I felt some of that while listening to these episodes, but we'll get to that later. Mm, okay, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious to hear. Um, well, I also heard with your explanation of your struggles. You know, previously when you were a kid, you were kind of the loner type, but uh, what's that I heard? You heard, you have a circle, you have an inner circle now. Um, so I am hearing some growth. I'm hearing some mm. uh, people surrounding you, people that you're letting in. Um, so what are some of your blessings or, or joys just navigating this world of faith, sexuality? And masculinity. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I mean, the blessings are unending. Like if the blessing, if the only blessing to ever come from my sexuality was just like helping create this blog podcast community, you know, like that, that would be enough, honestly. Like that's to me, God is so good to redeem things that were previously trenched in isolation and shame and fear and to be able to help put this together and have amazing people come at the right junctures to carry us to the next leg and even now it's like you're here and and we're getting to to bring in a group of women into our community as well like like never would have thought any of that would have happened as a as when i first clicked onto that zanga page like what in the world and so all of that stuff you know that's just the total blessing of it all but um but just in my life you know it's just this sense that god take all that aside it's just like god has been so good to bring me friends that i thought i would go my whole life that people would never know who I was or know the biggest, deepest, darkest things that I struggle with. And, and he's provided them again and again and again through the years, through the decades now. Um, and so just to be able to see his provision um, has been incredible and to not know, you know, to go to college and get an English degree and just know vaguely that I wanted to write, but had no idea what to do with that. Like to, to, to see him lead me geographically from Georgia to California and to living on the road for a year and and to bring to bring me at long last to the best state in all the land North Carolina right. and to settle here in Asheville which I've just fallen in love with this city ever since I moved here seven years ago I um he's been leading me geographically but then along the way like all these amazing people that I've been able to encounter and um it's just been such a yeah it's been such a blessing that sexuality has been intertwined with all of it. Like I can't separate my life now um, from when I first decided to come out and, and tell my story. And, and then all these other people gravitated with it and joined, joined me in this effort. And, 
and now here we are like all these years later it's just been yeah the 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 coolest coolest thing and it just you know we all have our fears and we all have our regrets i resonated with your episode aaron about just like fearing for the future and i have no idea what 50 years from now is going to bring 30 40 20 10 years from now i have no idea when i'm in my 40s and presumably still a virgin like i have no idea what that version of tom is going to do with his life but um but there's just been this like building assurance like my gosh from my teens to my 20s to now most of my 30s like god's been there and he's been providing and there's been plenty of road road bumps along the way but um but there is a steady stream of provision. So I, I just have to believe that he's going to continue to, to provide. There'll be challenges, but provision through the, through the challenges, I believe. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. Um, yeah. I just can't help but think that, I mean, obviously without, without your own journey, I wouldn't be here. And I mean, when I was um, even unbeknownst to me, about to discover my own sexual identity i was engaging with yob um Mm. and without yob um at that time i don't know what exactly i would have done or like what direction i would have gone yeah yeah and it like never gets old it never gets old when people send us an email or send me an email directly and say like oh my gosh that blog or that podcast was the best thing ever like i just it connected with me and they tell me their story and, and like that never gets old. You would think that after like eight or nine years of this, that, okay, enough already people, I get it. <laughs> but no, like, I love it. It's every, every time I open my email and there's like a new address that I've never seen before. It's like so exciting to me. It's like, Oh, what am I, what story is about to fall on my lap? You know, I just love it so much. And I love that you're resonating it with, with it too. Cause again, when we started, I had no women in mind whatsoever for this community. <laughs> So the fact that you would listen and follow us and resonate and that it would be a part of your story of piecing your own sexuality together. Like that is just incredible to me. And like, I wanted to say, Aaron, that like your idea of a commuter marriage, this is something that stood out to me from your episode. That is also very appealing to me. Like, can we have a marriage? Can I have a marriage with somebody where we sleep in different beds? Definitely different Uh, beds, different different bedrooms different rooms if it's different houses all the better like you be over there i'll be over there and and we'll support each other financially and you know and spiritually and emotionally and all that stuff but like that that definitely resonated resonated with me for sure yeah Uh, i remember hearing that i was like wow why don't more people do that (laughs) yeah (laughs) so just thinking about your story um let's go into a little bit more depth about everybody else's that you interviewed yeah, I would love that because I have I have some notes, but they pale in comparison to the notes that you oh, showed me God. before we started recording. So I, you know, we 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 told people up front, this is a supersized combo cast, you know, so we don't want to be here for four hours, although I know you and I absolutely could be here for four hours. But we'll, you know, we'll pick and choose. I got some notes. You got some notes. So tell me tell me where you want to begin, because we have oh. nine beautiful people. Let me just give them some love right now. So we started the series with Matt, then we went to Marshall, then we went to Alex, then we went to Ben, and then Adam, and then Keegan, and then Jesse, and then another Matt, different Matt, Matthew, and then you, Aaron. So nine beautiful people, nine episodes. Um, yeah, anything, anywhere you want to start, Aaron, as far as something that jumped out to you from this from this sexuality identity series this summer? Sure. Um 
I don't know. I guess I was thinking of the 12 days of Christmas or something. I did not write out a whole 12 days of Christmas thing, but Mm. I did think of a couple of different themes that I heard kind of reoccurring. Yeah, I just heard a lot of the guys trying to date girls or dating girls and they just they just knew that they couldn't get married um because the sexual attraction wasn't there um lots of identity crisis i heard that as a pretty big recurring theme on a lighter note three pirates of the caribbean now four pirates of the caribbean references love that love that so much yeah there's two zanga guys matt and marshall mm-hmm. several ssa references um i think almost everyone um mentioned some sort of interaction with ssa um two mentions of demisexuality yeah um we had quite the range Sorry for that little ASMR moment of the pages flipping. <laughs> Do you hear? Aaron has a literal notebook. I wasn't joking. Like, it's real. <laughs> the series has Matt, the first Matt, an eight. Marshall, a two. Alex is a four. Ben, I know he's conflicted. Six or two. He's a lot of things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adam is a two. Keegan's a two. Jesse's a one. Matthew is a three. I'm a four. And then Tom is a four. And um, I also actually went back to the Enneagram series um, to do a no little way. more research. <laughs> you, are t- you are so prepared. I'm so impressed right now. This is amazing. And from what I took from that, that's like kind of, kind of, kind of representative of the Yob community, especially like the majority mm-hmm. twos, majority twos at least. Yeah. And then the fours. And then there's quite a few sixes. I know there's yeah. two threes. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten all the threes to be on this show, which is pretty fun. Our little star performers. <laughs> right. And then Matt is a bit of an outlier as an eight in this community as well. But mm-hmm. the the majority of the community have been represented, at least Enneagram wise. Yeah. 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 That's cool. You mentioned I wanted to mention demisexuality for a minute because because I joked about it with Jess. It might have been Jesse. It must have been Jesse if he was the second mention of demisexuality. Because I mentioned, and I don't know, this doesn't, this isn't correct at all. So it's not anti-demisexuality or inverse demisexuality. Oh, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) But, but, but yeah, as as far as, because I I have that in my notes and like what, I don't know what to do with that because I don't relate, I don't relate with demisexuality at all. Like if I get emotionally close to someone, the idea of, sex then becomes even more like not Mm. it already wasn't something i desired with anybody but now now that i'm like seeing you as a good friend like i'm talking about another boy i don't have sex with you like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me at all so so that's that's what kind of i don't know if i explained i didn't explain it in that episode but that's that's kind of what's going on in my head when i'm like thinking about this notion of demisexuality because because i experience arousal and i experience lust for strangers like that's that's different that's that's where i'm not on the same part of the asexual spectrum as, as maybe Jesse or other people. But, but it's like, it's so it's, I guess it's just easier for me if I'm just going to put it in blunt terms, it's easier for me to lust after someone if I don't know who they are versus if I do know who they are, like then it becomes like mentally almost impossible for me 
to lust after them. Uh, yeah, it's a strange, I don't know if it's strange to anyone listening, but it's, it's something that was interesting when I, when I learned more about what demisexuality was and how I was like, nope, definitely not, definitely not that. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I definitely resonate with what you said too. Like one being on the ace spectrum as well, but then yeah, it's, I just find it easier and like not as, not as much pressure <laughs> to just, right look at strangers or I I do find myself like when I'm like lusting after people, it's typically strangers and Mm -hmm. yeah, that's an, it's a really interesting concept, um, demisexuality, but I know, I know quite a few who, who resonate with that. And I told Jesse, but one of my friends reached out to me and and listened to his episode and she was just talking about how listening to Jesse's episode made her feel more comfortable Oh, ending with that label. It just felt true to her. So that's awesome. I hope anyone that they, if anyone listened to this whole series, it's my hope that like, you know, maybe there wasn't somebody that you resonated everything with, but like that, hopefully you saw something of yourself somewhat prominently in somebody that we talked to. That's, that was my hope this, this summer. I'm also going to give a superlative shout out. Um, best podcast voice goes to Marshall hands down his <laughs> voice is so good yeah it's oh it's, my God. it's so great record the bible i will listen to it <laughs> <laughs> all right marshall let's get started marshall let's record the bible yeah you know jackie hill perry read the bible yeah you can i don't know if it's available yet or or how you can listen to it but she she did it so why not marshall marshall can do it yeah yeah <laughs> have the have the animals I guess the word is braying in the background, making their noises. Braying. Yes, that's a good word. Lowing. The cattle are lowing. <laughs> yeah, I. this is where it's like, so we started with Matt and Marshall, these two guys who helped co-found Yab with me. Um, and they both shared a similarity to the to where they didn't want to identify their sexuality with their faith, with with, Christ, with their Christian belief. Like Matt, Matt will identify as gay and as a Christian, but not as a gay Christian. Um, this was a big part of the, of those first couple of episodes because it came up again. Keegan mentioned he doesn't really like identifying as a bisexual Christian. Um, and I, re- I resonate a lot with that actually, cause I combining them does something weird to me. And, and there's like, a, the only parallel I can think of is like, if I were to identify as a Christian writer, mm. which I could, I could identify as a Christian writer. But for some reason in my head, it's like when whenever I say the phrase Christian music, what does everyone think of? You think of like the sugary, fluffy thing that you hear on the radio that that, you know, soccer moms listen to as they go about their days driving their SUVs like that's Christian music. But as a Christian writer, like, is that something I want to be identified as like somebody who doesn't write about difficult things, doesn't swear, isn't allowed to swear? I, I can't talk about sexuality. Certainly, I can't talk about like nitty gritty real life things because that's not Christian like that that's improper I need to like you know have a little bit more decorum or something like be a little more polished like it almost has this this connotation of of fakeness and I don't want to be known as that and so I'd much prefer to say I'm a writer who happens to be a Christian but am I a Christian writer I don't I don't I don't really like that combining those together. So, so there's a lot, and there's a lot of people listening who may have no problem with that. And that's totally fine with you. If, if you can, if you can combine your sexuality with Christian, like a gay Christian or a bi Christian or a queer Christian, um, that's, you know, that that's great if, if that works for you, but, but that's, that's been tricky for me too. So, so I resonated with that, that aspect of Matt and 
Marshall's story in particular. Oh, yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed hearing from both of them because I think what my tendency can be is to identify so much and in, into something in order to find a home apart from Jesus, like my community with Jesus. Hearing from both of them was a good reminder, you know. Ultimately, we're all part of the church and that we're all believers, first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. I would say another highlight of Matt's episode was that I got to meet Matt because I was staying with Tom. That's right. Yeah, I totally forgot that you were in my apartment when I recorded that night with with Matt. And then after we recorded, or before before and after, I think, you got to meet him on the on the Zoom screen. Um, it was so cool because you both have this, this indigenous background and it was so cool to just see you guys connect over that. And I think Matt grilled you with some questions cause that's what he does. He's, he's Mr. Interrogator, but like, it was cool to just see you guys connect on my zoom screen or through my zoom screen while you were here in my apartment with me before you went to revoice. How fun, how fun was that? It was. Did you think at the time, Aaron, you'd be finishing this series months later with me? <laughs> I didn't. We, we figured this out like in the last few weeks, it was, it was a very impromptu ending to the series. I just, that's kind of how I roll though. I figured it out as I go, we'll figure this out. Yeah. Roll with it. Um, another thing about Matt, Matt, where's the, where is the ending to this, this blog about Annie? I just, I give, I don't want to give up on Matt. That sounds very despairing, but like, I just know, I just know he'll blog again. It might take a year and a half to hear from him again, but we'll, we'll get that conclusion about he, yeah, he started developing feelings for his girl and he left us hanging. He just, he totally left us hanging. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, Matt. We want you to finish the story. Yeah, Please. come on. Thank you. Are you on a writer's strike too? Hope not, because <laughs> I want the ending. Um, let's move on to Alex. So, okay, Alex, bisexual, fellow bisexual. Um, a quote that he said that kind of stuck out to me, I think, when you asked him if he felt like a minority within a minority, was he just very straightforwardly said, you know, I'm, I'm just as queer as you all are. Mm. um and yeah i think that that that's something that people who are not completely straight or com or like a six on the kenzie scale or whatever yeah. might find um themselves in or the uh, other people that do identify that way that extremely might try to gatekeep sexuality mm -hmm. uh, from those who are like a bit more fluid or not as fully one way as they are. Yeah. And I loved, yeah, I love that quote. That definitely stands out to me. And I love the, the, the tie, the tie in or the circle back with Keegan's episode a couple episodes later. Cause, cause Keegan mentioned that maybe that was something that he struggled a little bit with, like feeling a little bit of a minority of a minority, feeling a bit different from the majority of the ob community. And when I told him and what I tell everybody, cause this, this has come up time and again, somebody will message me and they say, I don't know if I'm just if I'm clicking right or if I fit in here, whether it's because of my age or because of my race or because of my sexuality or because of my denomination that I'm in, you know, so many reasons to not belong. And I'll just be honest, being a leader of this community, I wonder where I belong sometimes where it's like I'm sometimes I get too involved in the admin role of the leadership team and, and running retreats and leading Zoom calls that I kind of lose a little bit of myself as an attendee or as a participant as well and wondering where do I fit into all this? Like, do, you know, can I enjoy this too? Or is it just like, 
am I just kind of behind the scenes? Is that where I belong behind the curtain or behind the scenes? So, um, so at the end of the day, we all have a reason to not belong within Yab and within the human race, within our churches, within our families, within our schools and jobs. Um, and like, like I was told Keegan, like the beautiful thing about, about being tied to Jesus is like, he makes us belong. Like that's just the full stop of it all is that he, um, he is our representative. He is the, the person, the, the God that ties us all together. And so, um, so I don't know. I hope that encourages anyone. If you feel like a minority, if you feel disconnected, if you feel like you don't belong as much as other people, um, just recognize, yeah, we all have our reasons to. And um, at the end of the day, we're all at the table and there's always room for, for one more. There's always room for one more. And I, I do also want to say that there is no shame or anything in, in praying for someone who's got a similar experience to you to be in this community with, to walk with. Um, I'll say that, you know, just thinking about talking with Matt, even for like five minutes, it just, it just brought me so much joy to be able to be in this context with an, another indigenous person, because mm. reality is, is that there are minorities <laughs> within minorities that sometimes yeah. don't get heard or that don't, that just don't know the others that are, like them that might get them in in ways that others may not be privy to. So yeah, definitely want to be sensitive to that, but then also, you know, balancing these two things at the same time. Ultimately we're, we are part of the family of God and our differences are just an outpouring of how God has created us and God has created culture, language, interests, generations of believers that we need each other ultimately. Absolutely. Yeah. So well said. Um, then we had Ben who, who is in a mom mixed orientation. A mom. <laughs> that sounds obscene to be in a mom, but whether he's, whether he's comfortable with that phrase or not, he mentioned like some, and I, I think in the title, I use like a question mark, quotation yeah. mark. Cause you know, I think it, it sort of explains what it is, but it's also kind of weird, weird language sometimes for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I think the biggest standout to me from his episode was that he has been married to his best friend for 15 years. Mm. He said that that was one of his greatest joys, which I think again is, is just indicative of how much sexual love is so, or like, you know, this heterosexual sexual romantic love is so overvalued in our society that like, a marriage that's potentially not like incredibly <laughs> heterosexual <laughs> in nature is somehow less than. But um, when I heard Ben's episode, I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. Like he's, he's married to this woman and they've been able to walk through, I think he even said like walking through pain together and mm-hmm. opening up their home to people that just need a place to stay, whether it's a couple years or a couple days. Um, and that even friends who are outside of the queer spectrum, I guess, um, can look at their marriage as an example. Um, and I think the ultimate example that I would see as an onlooker is that, wow, their relationship isn't totally based on the youth pastor talking about a smoking hot wife and how they have eight children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like really struggles with lust and is like really addicted to straight porn. Like, you know, yeah, I, I just found his episode to be 
really refreshing too um in that there aren't a ton of men on the podcast that are married and yeah i just i just really enjoyed his episode a lot um ben recorded with me and his wife was in the other room listening (laughs) the whole time (laughs) and uh just to meet her for the first time after seeing her on zoom screens a couple times um, that was really enjoyable. We went out to eat together. And so that was fun to just spend a few days, a couple days with them. Um, and I just remember Ben like describing queer and such. He was, I think he was the first one in the series to identify. Well, I guess Alex did as well, but primarily focused on bisexuality. But Ben talked about being queer as just like this kind of comfortable catch all term. Um, and that's come up a few times through the series is that it's just been not a term only to describe sexuality, but just an like also just the culture, like just being a minority type of person and and having this comfortable expression to like point to a word that describes that you're connected to other people who are, who are different from you, but similar. I think, uh, you know, queer is definitely the latest turn. You know, I talked about my story about it started with SSA and then starting to get more comfortable with the with the word gay. And now it's only been in the last couple of years that I think queer is a word that I'm starting to use for myself and and start to feel comfortable with, but it still feels a little weird because, um, you know, the same, just like trying on a new pair of shoes. You guys know that feeling when you try on a new pair of shoes and it kind of feels uncomfortable a little bit for a day or two or three. Um, that's kind of where I'm, I'm on the, on the end of that with queer. I think, I think it's starting to get more comfortable. Yeah. Like I said, in my episode, I'm, I'm so glad it's being reclaimed and I think it speaks more to my experience than trying to, (laughs) Cash out all the identifiers. Um, that right, right. Adam's episode. Okay, Adam. <laughs> Had you ever heard of cross-oriented before? Had you ever heard that term? Maybe very briefly, but I remember when I was listening to this episode, I was coming home from Barbie. So I was already in an existential crisis. Barbie, a podcast coming soon to the You're the Brothers podcast network. Go ahead. And... I was like, wait, am I also, am I also hetero, like hetero romantic? Whoa. And I'm still kind of at a crossroads. I'm like, am I more romantically inclined towards men? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But it really made me think. And I, I had a bit of a, a moment of like, wait a minute. Let me go down my whole life story now. Am I identifying this way? I don't know. But it really did um, kind of make me uh, very specifically think about how I Hmm. am attracted towards men and women. And if that's if those things are different. Adam, you had me thinking. I just remember when he posted about that on our Discord or Facebook group at the time a few years ago. I just remember him. For some reason, I just remember him posting about this cross-oriented thing and I was like I have never heard that and that episode to me was such a great reminder that there's always more to learn like I think I I don't I mean I don't I don't think I know it all I think I know a lot I think I've been in this world long enough to know a lot of things that a lot of people especially in Christianity don't know but um Adam's episode is a great pointer to always remember like there's there's more to learn there's new terms out there there's new experiences being expressed and written about and talked about and and I just want to keep learning because it's it was so fascinating. It was just like a, it was a fun and plus being able to meet a new person and someone from the second best state in the country, Pennsylvania. It was great to have my Pennsylvania roots represented for the first time ever, I believe, on this podcast. So that was that was 
just a bonus, personal bonus for me. Yeah, really enjoyed. I mean, I enjoyed all the episodes. That's another reoccurring theme. <laughs> um, what was your least favorite episode? Go. <laughs> mine. <laughs> no, no, yours was so good. It wasn't. You know, I my my greatest critic. You know, in that regard. Absolutely. I get that. I get that. I truly enjoyed every episode and I've listened to all the episodes like three times, at least. <laughs> um, guess I am a bit of a fangirl. So dedicated. No, that's awesome. Um, Keegan, another bi guy, another bi and Christian guy, as he would say. Um, at first, I think when I first listened to his episode and he was talking about the teacher that said, you know, I think there are people out there that see the beauty beyond one type of person i didn't catch what kind of teacher it was and i was like oh i bet they're an english teacher <laughs> but no it was psychology which you know whoa along the same line did our listeners catch that did you what if there was a quiz what if we did like a quiz like how well did you listen to this episode what teacher was keegan's teacher <laughs> yeah. i totally didn't know i would have guessed english too that's so funny no it's the it's the english teacher like english teacher's favorite turned queer kid pipeline <laughs> how come my english teachers were not at all like that <laughs> well you you got your own english degree so you became your own english teacher ah that's right the lord works in mysterious ways right i recently posted a birthday picture it was my birthday yesterday of me and my friends around our english teacher and i think all of us are queer of some sort <laughs> But we loved her. Whoa. We ate lunch with her all the time. Um, but anyway, this is about Keegan. <laughs> um, like Keegan also said, you know, people might say, oh, you're like 50% gay, 50% straight. And then he, he said, no, I'm 100% bisexual, which another moment of, you know, just like absolutely agreeing. Mm. That was a great thing because I learned a lot about bisexuality, about learning like between Alex and Keegan about ratios and percentages and, and just like trying to, trying to wrap my head around it. Cause I, I don't get that. I don't, I don't understand what it's like to have that attraction for both. And so um, the 100% line that stands out to me. Cause I, I've heard it, I've heard it also described of Jesus. Like Jesus wasn't 50% man and 50% God. He was a 100% man. He was also 100% God. And those things exist simultaneously and it's hard to like wrap your mind around and everything but um i thought that was a great little line from him to to kind of help us who don't identify as bi to to get, hopefully understand it a little bit more yeah and i kind of alongside the gatekeeping of this world um of the binary of gay and straight his struggles kind of resonated with me as well you know like what if he ends up wanting to date a girl or he gets married to a woman you know, am I, am I less than, like, am I not part of this community enough or, um, am I not going to be, I would say like, oh yeah, I would resonate with that. Like, am I not going to be invited to the dinners or whatever mm. is going on as much if I ended up, um, presenting straight at least. <laughs> yeah. And then the question of like, who do I get close to? I think resonated with me a lot too. I feel like if I get close to anyone, they might <laughs> think ill or like just wrong intentions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my heart was opened up a lot from Alex and Keegan sharing about bisexuality and just how that can be a really confusing, lonely place to be if you 
experience attractions for lots of different types of people, you know, and the perception of that and how to reckon with that, like hard enough for me dealing with just attraction for one sex, let alone, <laughs> let alone multiple ones. So like, again, there might be road, a road, grass is always greener for some people who would kill to be bi, would love to be bi and have an attraction for the opposite sex, but it also comes with its own challenges. So don't think it's just all green grass over there. It's not, it's not all green. Sometimes it's purple, magenta, and blue. And sometimes dogs urinate on that one spot and it's like yellow and brown. <laughs> um, then we have Jesse. Jesse, we've already, we've already given lots of shout outs to Jesse. Yeah. With Jesse, I was tempted because he, he, there was a couple instances where he mentioned gender congruence and how that's part of his story. And I really wanted to like, open that up too but I also knew that you know wanting to keep these episodes at a certain length and wanting to also try to keep it focused on sexual identity and um, knowing that that's a whole other conversation with gender identity and and all that so I appreciated him mentioning that but I remember listening back to it and even in the moment when I was in the room with him like having this like inkling like oh I kind of want to like ask about that but I also know that's going to require like time to answer that and so Jesse if you would be willing and I think he would I don't want to assume, but if he'd be willing to to come back and share about that part of his story whenever, if he ever feels ready to do that, I would love to explore that more with him. But I appreciate him mentioning that along with demisexuality and asexuality and all the other things he talked about in that episode. Yeah. Um, kind of similar to what Keegan's teacher, psychology teacher said, you know, to be able to see and appreciate the beauty of people is something that he kind of experiences in life it might not be something beyond just noticing an attractive person but just having the capacity to do so I think is a gift yeah and I will say you know we had some we had some jokey jokes about coffee places in the city of Oaks at the end of that episode and I visited Jesse at this wonderful coffee shop Jubala Coffee in Raleigh you guys gotta go it's amazing they have biscuits that they make themselves and they taste a little sweet and you can have them as sandwiches with like sausage or bacon and eggs um and jesse jesse was i'm not going to throw shade at any coffee shops the pine state is great jubala was also very good i quite enjoyed my time enjoying coffee in the city of oaks it was a lovely lovely time yeah i cannot wait to visit both of them And also, I realized that I shouted out Starbucks, and Starbucks is a necessary evil. Let me just say that. That's not my first choice. There we go. (laughs) There we go. Always go local, (laughs) y'all, if you can. (laughs) Okay. Then we had the POG, the POG, the plain old gay. POG. I was, I cracked up so much when he said that. I was like, that is perfect. Like I, I, I knew instantly that is going to be in the title. I and I tweaked it a little bit from what I said in the episode. But I was like, Matt, and he's Matt is just full of those one one liners. And I hope I hope he's listening. I hope he's um, enjoying the spotlight that's coming back to him right now because I know he loves that. But he, that was a long time coming. I've been wanting him on that podcast for literal years, Matthew, literal years. But I know it's a journey. I knew like a few years ago he would not have said yes I didn't you know I just I was just so glad that in 2023 the year of our Lord Matthew was ready to shine um as the plain old gay that he is it was it was such a great conversation I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed talking to him yeah and I mean 
when I heard him say, you know, like, oh, I've been listening to the series and I just feel kind of regular. And then when you were talking about some folks in the Discord maybe kind of expressing the same type of thing, um, I want to hold that because everyone wants to feel notable and important and heard. Um, but I think I also feel like a lot of the content is in that perspective. Like a lot of the content is the the POG mm. <laughs> um, perspective. Um, however, there's so much nuance even. So someone might even refer to themselves as that way, but it's, we're so complex. Like we might feel yeah. not as interesting, <laughs> but interesting, being interesting is not necessarily a virtue either. Um, and as an Enneagram 4, that's not easy for me to say. <laughs> I know, that's brutal. I want to be different and alluring and mysterious, but also understood. But um, I think what I can value from his story and so many people that are listening, their story is just being consistent and walking with the Lord and, you know, just relating with people where they're at and finding community mm-hmm. where they're at and finding joy in that they're not, their experience is not just their own. Yeah. And then the other element of Matt's story that I just was so grateful for was the delayed, the quote unquote delayed process that it took him coming out compared to most of the people that were on our series yeah, um, who came out much earlier in life. So the fact that he was in his mid to late 20s, I think he said, and and now he's a ripe old man in his 40s, um, middle middle aged, middle aged man in his oh. 40s. Um, and now he's, you know, just starting to get comfortable putting his story out there. He's written a couple blogs for us now. He's been on this podcast. I hope he'll do more blog wise and podcast wise for Yab. Um, cause he's been a leader in our community for so long, but, um, but I just love that that, that element of it was, was present too. like this whole, like it's, it might take you longer to figure yourself, to figure yourself out. Like surprise, you, you are incredibly complex, whoever you are listening and it might take you a while to figure it out. And I'm like I said in my story, I'm still figuring myself out too, all these years later. So I just love Matt's, uh, just his ability to show himself grace is something that I took away from that episode because he's he just seems like he's in a really I mean I just saw him beaming the whole time he just seems like he's in a really good spot right now it doesn't mean life is perfect but um it was cool it was awesome to have have that story represented and I think also just looking at all of the episodes or do we want to talk about my <laughs> you want to tell me about my episode <laughs> I mean I've, I've given you some shout outs already let me look at my notes da, 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 commuter marriage um Oh, you found, you find straight male culture exhausting, whereas I find it intoxicating. <laughs> that's, that's a divergence that we have. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, as a, I think that's all I had, uh, is that, yeah, you, you seem appalled by straight men. And I, uh, and I, I have this, they, they are the mysterious, they are the other, they are the ones that I'm trying to pursue. I'm speaking in general terms. It's not true of all straight people, but um, but that was, that definitely stood out to me when I was like, I had a chuckle when you mentioned that in, uh, in your episode, <laughs> cause I was like, yep, I definitely have some thoughts on that, but I will reserve that for next time. Yeah. Yeah. I think just like existing and so like not wanting to be a woman really conflicted with ethnicity, not exploring sexuality and then like my Southern identity, all of that going on 
and then also just trying to conform to the predominantly like straight male spaces that I was in (laughs) and then finally not feeling like I have to do that and then also getting to a place where I'm like you know if I never get married and if I never have sex I'm going to be okay yeah me too I'm gonna be great (laughs) I'm gonna be awesome I've had really good desserts in my life I've traveled before I've listened to music like it sets off some of the same chemicals in your head anyway uh yeah. yeah, that's true. I've had banana pudding. I don't need sex. Amen. <laughs> I've had key lime pie. I've been to Alaska now. I've been to all 50 states. Oh. You know, I'm reminded of someone posting on Discord recently or semi-recently. Why are straight men so confusing? And he, he just like left it at that. And then someone <laughs> else like immediately responded. That's what makes them hot. <laughs> I was like, yes, I, I resonate. <laughs> So, so my, there might be people listening that do not resonate with that at all. Some might resonate with exclamation points, but, or you might be in the middle. You might be across the spectrum, but regardless of where you land, there you are. Um, I think what also binds the stories together is that like, I went back on the website and I looked at the seven values and I saw all of the values represented in the stories Hmm. filled with hope and humility, joy vulnerability, integrity, kinship, and discipleship. Those things that would allow us to to even get to the place where we're at, um, pursuing community with each other, being vulnerable, carrying each other's burdens, but also rejoicing. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. I echo that. Stories that point to something beyond ourselves. That's like where humility comes in and where a lot of our joy and hope comes in. It's like, you know, we're not just choosing to live this way for fun and for kicks and giggles. Like we believe that there is something supernatural leading us and connecting us and paving the path forward. And um, I've just never been more excited for where we are and where we're going. It's just, it's so cool to, to not only see a group of men, but now a group of women coming alongside us and, and hopefully paving the way for other sub communities to, to join to join our little family as well. So I just, I can't wait to see how God continues to to work through through story. This is all, it all goes back to just like, will we step out and just tell our story and put it out there and trust that God's going to do something with it and he just keeps doing it over and over. On that note, um, I would just like to conclude with a quote from the website. We never chose our story, but we believe we have been chosen for one another in this story. And I think that is what we all can resonate with, whether we engage with sexual identity language or not, um, whether we engage with being called a gay Christian or being a Christian who is gay, um, whether we call ourselves queer or SSA, that ultimately we are doing this life with each other sharing our stories and believing that that we're here for each other as we share indeed great thoughts i love that we got to recap and reflect and i got to share some of my story and it was just fun it was just a fun time yeah it it really was and yeah when you said the first thing about like androsexual androsexual yes Yes, androsexual. Y'all Google it. <laughs> Google it. 
there's a there's a article out there that has like 44 identifiers on it and honestly i literally looked at that one (laughs) (laughs) and honestly going back to adam's episode that thing had me looking at that list again and again Mm. a couple years ago i would have i didn't even say to many people that i was pansexual because i knew that that might go over a lot of people's heads um but there were a couple friends that i said that to um, and I think I'm at a place, especially leading this community where I feel like I can, you know, like I don't have to just throw out a label and just leave it at that. You know, I can invite people in to sharing a little bit more about what that means, but also what that means for me, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Aaron, I guess I'll take it from here. Thanks so much for all your work. I yeah, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed this with you. It was fun to look back and you're a pretty good host, if I do say so myself. Did a great job. Thank you. Fun times. Listeners, we need you now. We need you more than ever. Go to our website, yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Find this convo cast where I shared my story and where we reflected on the spectrum that has now been spanned. All of the whole thing. We've spanned it all. Um, tell us a story. Tell us standout moments for you, stories that you particularly clicked with. Um yeah, any thoughts that come up about about sexuality and about orientation, attraction, however you want to put it, uh, I would love to just hear. Yeah, what you enjoyed about this series? Maybe give us some ideas. This I would take them gladly. Ideas for next summer, because I think this is a thing. I think I'm gonna do this every summer until I die. <laughs> I want to just yeah take ten or twelve episodes and talk to different people about a topic. So let's figure out what uh, what next year looks like. Put some ideas over there on our website. I would love to gather them now and sow them and then harvest them eight months later. Yes, the whole parable. All right, Aaron. It was lovely. Have a lovely night. Thanks for joining me for the second episode in a row. Yeah, it was fun. And listeners, until we cast our next Barbie condom. (laughs) See y'all soon. Bye, friends. Bye. Um, I also wanted to know if you had like a sexual awakening character growing up that like really made you think like, oh yeah, I I am not interested in women. <laughs> um, I was thinking about that because like I, you know, after watching Pirates, I think for me, Hayden Christensen. Oh yeah. Anakin Skywalker. Yes. He made his debut in episode two, Attack of the Clones. It was either that it was either that movie or Revenge of the Sith. I think it was Attack of the Clones, where he like wakes up in the middle of the night after a night. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. He's like shirtless and standing yeah. at the window. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. I would have been like uh 15, maybe 16 at oh, the time. So yeah. that was that stands out to me. Yeah. I also remember Saved by the Bell. I had a thing for Zach Morris, Mark Paul Gossler, like the 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 blonde, like beach the beach pretty boy, that 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 type of person. I'm pretty sure I was attracted to all the main characters of Saved by the Bell, besides Screech. Oh, poor Screech. Poor Screech. <laughs> His personality really wasn't didn't do it. It was a little grating. Yeah, it was a little grating. <laughs>